1: Thank you.
2: Are singing, be my sword and shield, my missionaries on the foreign field. Good evening, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. And um, we're going to talk about a couple things tonight. There's a whole lot of craziness going on. I don't know America you know one would have thought that the uh, the tumultuous times of the of the 60s would have um we would have we we would have somehow passed that time and we would and more um more of a cohesive country in terms of um our politics, our, our social views, and so on. The things are... Things have gotten so much worse. Don't you think? We have so-called African Americans fighting for equality? Fighting for... Social justice? You know, I grew up in the 60s. Even though I was a little boy, I grew up in the 60s. And I know what those times meant to my parents. I know what they meant to me. We were living in a country where there was covert and overt racism. But gradually, as I grew up, my country and the citizens of my country became more enlightened. And we began to see a lot of changes in terms of race relations, in terms of how we dealt with each other and what we thought of each other. Now, no, we're not completely out of the woods yet in terms of race relations in terms of racism because I'll be quite frankly I'll be quite frank with you at times I've been known to be quite a bit racist myself you know it was Chris Rock who said uh, in an HBO special some, some years back and these were his exact words he said uh I love a black man, but I can't stand a nigger. Those are direct quotes. I forgot to put the quotes in there, but he said that. And you know what? There are a lot of black people out there who feel exactly the same way. They love black people, but they can't stand a nigger. And that's just real. If I'm watching the news... The local news, be it in Florida, Georgia, Virginia, my hometown of Chicago, Illinois, and I see some nigger on TV, quite unable to speak the language, looking all disheveled and embarrassing, all to be damned. I'm saying to myself, that's a nigger. Now, I might not say it out loud, but does does that make me racist? Well, if it does, then so be it. Does it make a white person any more racist if he or she says it? I don't know. But my point is, racism comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. Because when a black man calls a white person a cracker, or a honky, or some word of that sort, that's racism. So, when I look, when I look around, and I see Colin Kaepernick being celebrated by Nike, because he's celebrating social justice, and Nike wants to reward him for that, and try to get some more sales from those young people who are still fighting the struggle. And while while I'm talking about that, let me just let me just give you my thought process here. You see, the '60s civil rights movement brought to the fore iconic figures. The movement, the struggle, the Black Panther Party, Medgar Evers, Malcolm X. They re- in my opinion, they really did something. They put their lives on the line. Medgar shot dead. Malcolm shot dead by, by, by Muslims. His own, own black people killed him. But Medgar was shot by a white man. Even that clown, Jesse Jackson. These are all iconic figures. We can't deny it. Even Jesse. So now we've got this younger generation. And they're, they're looking for an identity. They're looking for relevance. They want to feel important. They don't just want to go out and get a job. And raise a family, and have the little house with the white picket fence, the dog, and 2.5 children. They don't. I mean, that's. They don't. They they want that, but but they want more. And so, just like we have the new Magnum PI. anybody heard that? There's there's a new show called Magnum PI, a reboot. How the hell do you reboot? Thomas Sullivan Magnum, how the hell do you do a, a, a goddamn... I'm, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. How do you do Magnum? The dude doesn't even have a mustache. First of all, Magnum Reboot, yeah, that shit work for Hawaii Five-O because, frankly, Steve McGarrett, you know, the guy who played him, like, kind of nondescript, you know... Kind of, kind of bland. I don't know if you ever watched the show. He's just kind of there. He's not an iconic figure, Steve McGarrett, the character. So it's easy to do a reboot of that. But how do you reboot fucking six foot four super stud mustachion stud Tom Selleck? How do you do that? Where's Higgins? Where's T.C. Where are those damn Doberins? But I, I think I'm I'm getting off the point here. But, but but am I? Because what we're seeing here in society with the young people of America is a reboot of the sixties. Cause there are no new ideas. That's my point. There are no new ideas. There's no original thought anymore, folks. No original thought. When you reboot Magnum, for God's sake, with some young Hispanic dude, yeah, he's good looking and all that, but he doesn't have the mustache. Is he driving the red Ferrari? I don't think so. Oh yeah, he's a he's a navy seal. Magnum was a real SEAL when the SEALs were back in the sixties when they first came about a SEAL. This guy's some punk. But the networks have decided, well, you know we just can't think of anything. You know there are no there are no Sheldon Leonards anymore. There are no there aren't any of those those guys who came up with these original shows anymore. they They don't exist anymore. Because there are no more orig, original ideas, everything's regurgitated and redone and repackaged because basically people have become lazy. And the creativity has is 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 disappeared. So now we have a Magnum reboot. And as much as I love Candace Bergen, and yeah, I'll admit I had a big crush on her. Murphy Brown is back. Murphy Brown and a couple of other shows from the 80s. They're back. It saddens me. First of all, you just don't redo Magnum. And fucking super six foot four super stud Tom Selleck. You don't do it. The dude doesn't even have a mustache for Christ's sake. And even if he did, you can't duplicate Tom Selleck's iconic mustache. You can't do it. And there's no fucking (sighs) Higgins. Okay, hold on a minute. Let me gather myself. Oh my God. Okay. Oh wow. Okay, alright. It's getting hot in here. Hold on a minute. I gotta I gotta take this off. Okay. Alright. So what I'm really trying to say here, folks, is that just like in society, just like with the reboot of Magnum and Murphy Brown coming back and several other shows from the seventies and eighties. Young people have no new ideas. So they're reinventing the struggle. The struggle. So everywhere you look, there's racism. It's racist. That's racist. You're racist. Oh, you don't like my shirt? You're racist. Oh, you don't like my nappy-ass head of hair? You're racist because you're racist. They're trying to reinvent the '60s, just as if some damn, some damn network executive said, you know what? Let's bring back Mister Ed. Instead of a horse, we are gonna make his ass a donkey. Oh no, no, we can't do that, cause we already had Francis the, the talking mule, so we can't make him a donkey. Let's see, let's bring back Mister Ed. But with a twist, let's make Mr. Ed a honey badger, a honey badger that can talk and be funny and, and, and pick up the phone with his little saber from super fucking super sharp teeth and then order a pizza. Yeah, we're going to bring back Mr. Ed and we're going to call him Mr. Ed, but he's really going to be, instead of being a horse, he's going to be a honey badger. that can talk because I can't think of anything else young people have decided that they're bringing back the struggle of the 60's and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be the new Medgar Evers they're gonna, there's gonna be a new Martin Luther King there's gonna be a new Jesse cause Jesse's about to die you ever see... You seen him lately? It's almost over. So Jesse's about to check out. So there's going to have to be somebody to replace him. Oh, and that clown... What's his name? Al Sharpton. He, he's not all that long either. It's almost over for him too. We're going to be going to his funeral sometime soon. Within the next five to ten years, I think. So he's going to have to be a new him. Because the struggle continues, folks. Colin Kaepernick sporting that big ass fro. Now before Colin Kaepernick got a conscience and decided he's going to fight for the struggle he wore his hair short. He wore it in braids. But now he's got a big ass afro. I don't see the afro pick, but he's probably got one in his back pocket because that's where we used to have him when we were kids. So now Nike just paid Kaepernick a shitload of money. Yes. Colin Kaepernick, who hasn't played a down of football in two, three years, just got paid. Cause Nike's making a statement. Nike is down with the struggle. Never mind. Black person had to ride hasn't had to ride the back of the bus since the sixties, early, mid sixties. Never mind that a white person dare not call a nigga a nigga, even though a nigga can call a nigga a nigga. Think about that. Never mind that white people open the door for black people. It happened to me today. Just open the door. I, I didn't I didn't have a handful of bags. My my hands were my hands were I, I I reached for it. And a cracker, not just a regular white person, but a cracker opened the door for me. Said after you. I said thank you. He said you're very welcome. And then of course there are double doors. I grabbed the door for him. He said, thank you. I said, you're welcome. And we both walked on into the restaurant. Would that happen in the 60s? Probably not. But the struggle continues, folks, because we're being oppressed. We're being oppressed and cops is killing black folks by the bushel full. Nope, but that's what they say. Never mind that blacks are killing blacks wholesale every single day. Never mind that blacks are selling drugs to blacks and ruining the lives of young people and old alike every minute of the day. Never mind all these things because, well, we don't want to talk about that. We just want to talk about the cop that shot dude because dude flinched or whatever the hell he did. Because cops are scared of black folks A lot of times Hell I don't blame them I'm scared of them too My sons are cops I'm scared for my sons And my sons are black by the way So My point is The struggle Continues Even though The struggle Doesn't exist anymore Just like Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed is dead. Everybody knows that Mr. Ed is gone. And yet, I suspect Mr. Ed will be back. And as a honey badger, no less. A talking honey badger. And he's going to order Chinese. He's going to pick up the phone with those sharp, razor-sharp teeth and you those know, razor-sharp claws. He's going to knock it over and he's going to order shrimp, egg, young. He's going to order wonton soup and a bag of crab ragoons. And folks are going to laugh when Wilbur, who's going to be a Mexican comes to the door, and the Uber Eats guy says, sir, is your name Mr. Ed? Because you just, here's your order. I didn't order anything. Ed, you ordered Chinese. <laughs> and it goes on and on and on, because just like in television and in movies, where there are no more new ideas, no more original stories, no more original concepts. In the black and white liberal community, there are no original ideas anymore. White privilege, the struggle for for, for social justice and racism never mind that none of these young people ever suffered a hint of racism in their short little lives. I'll bet not a single one was ever called a nigger by a white person. But the struggle continues. We need to resurrect the struggle. Otherwise, our lives will be empty and mundane and we'll go about our lives working, making money, Having children and a new dog, and we'll just die. But we want to be relevant, so, hmm, what can we do? Hmm, we can bring back racism. (sighs) May you live in interesting times. And we do. Don't we? We're going to talk about that. In just a minute, we'll be right back.
3: commitment to something greater than themselves.
4: To internet radio for any number of reasons. Among the reasons are perhaps they're tired of the pasteurized, homogenized news that they get from their TV. Or some may want their talk radio a little more raw. Well, that's what you get with internet talk radio real people with real opinions that give you real conversation. It's not just daddy's talk radio. And it's for people who stay informed and a great way to share ideas and debate issues. Or let's just say that Internet Talk Radio hosts don't sit in front of the makeup mirror before they go on the air. Internet Talk Radio is a fast-growing new media that allows folks to get around the dinosaur media. We Are America United this is a network of patriotic radio hosts bringing you honest discussion and discourse that will keep you riveted all
3: day. Check out radio.waaumedia.com. <laughs>
1: You've heard about the black card, right? No, not the one from Visa or American Express. This one is much more valuable. There are entire organizations that have been built upon it and individuals that have used it to acquire both wealth and influence. If this sounds like something you might wish to own, you should know that there is only one way you can get your hands on it. You have to be born with black skin. That's the only requirement, really. You can be poor, middle class, rich, it doesn't matter. The black card will still confer upon you an entire history of oppression, even if you've never been oppressed. Flash the black card and most white people will cower. Play the black card expertly and you can win awards, make millions, all the while claiming that the people who got you there somehow hate you. With a black card, you can sell books full of indecipherable prose, because with a card that powerful, who cares if your words make any sense? You can call yourself a civil rights leader and shake down multinational corporations, or you can torch your own neighborhood because you didn't like the outcome of a grand jury verdict. Ironically, the people you might think have the most legitimate claim to the black card refuse to. To use it take my grandfather for instance he raised me from the time I was nine years old born in 1941 in rural North Carolina he started working at age five laying out tobacco to dry on a sharecropping farm Jim Crow separate drinking fountains in the KKK were ever-present realities he was 17 when he married my grandmother He made a living cleaning homes and office buildings until he saved up enough money to open his own cleaning business. The thing is, he never played any card, nor did my grandmother. If they had problems, they didn't blame anybody. They just fixed them, and they raised me to do the same. Chores were a requirement in their household. So was reading the Bible every morning before school, I didn't like the Bible readings, and I hated the chores, but I realize now that these small acts of discipline, although sometimes stifling, had a strong, positive impact on my character. I was a first-generation college student. This was supposed to be the ticket to prosperity, but it wasn't. I left college with a mountain of debt and no practical skills. I had just $80 in my bank account and very few prospects. I could have given up. I could have dug deep into my history and declared myself a natural product of ancestral oppression. I could have played the black card and absolved myself of all responsibility for my own stupid decisions. Except I didn't. Because it would have destroyed my grandfather's legacy. I am proud that he had the fortitude to turn nothing into something, and I have no intention of reversing that something back into a nothing. My attitude comes with a price, however, because if you are born black and you don't accept your natural status as a victim, then the validity of your blackness is immediately called into question. Well, so be it. If believing in myself, if accepting the responsibility for my failure somehow disqualifies me from owning an imaginary card, then let me be the first to declare that I don't want one. I also don't want Cornell West, Al Sharpton, or insert anyone else who uses their skin color to game the system as a role model. I already have my grandfather. If there is one thing that my family history has taught me, it's that I do not need a black card or an imaginary anything to make something of myself. For the record, my grandfather, now retired, lives in a home that he and my grandmother built on a plot of land they purchased in North Carolina. The very same sharecropping farm that he worked on as a small child. His story is unique. His story is beautiful. Because it's American. And that's the only card I've ever been interested in playing. I'm Candace Owens for Prayer University
2: All right, welcome back, welcome back. Um, vivian while while we're on the break um I'm listening to um uh, Candace Owen um uh, my friend Vivian writes um Racism never in capital letters left it was merely swept under the rug for a moment. The rug has now been removed to be dusted off. How eloquent, beaten like the olden days. Hmm. now the unsettled dust in quotes in capital letters is flying amuck. Well, what do you think about that? I guess maybe Vivian is implying that racism was swept under the rug during Obama's historic election, twice, with the majority of the voters being white people, because... As we've discussed previously, there aren't enough black people in America to elect a president, no matter what his ethnicity. There had to be a significant number of white people. So I guess she's referring to the racism during the 12 years Obama was president and had his ass kissed every single day. Maybe she's saying that it was swept under the rug all those years. And that now that my man and yours, Donald John Trump, is president, the rug has been dusted off. Hmm. Isn't that interesting that someone takes that view? I guess... Vivian falls under the category of one of those folks who doesn't have anything else better to do but to resurrect the struggle. Because Murphy Brown's back. Mr. Ed as the Honey Badger's probably coming too. And of course, some Hispanic dude, handsome he may be is playing Thomas Sullivan motherfucking Magnum with no mustache, no Higgins, no Ferrari, no TC. My friend Vivian is also attempting to relive the struggle. Hmm. Well, let's get on with the show. Colin Kaepernick getting paid. Nike back Nike Backlash all to be damned. Nike stock dropping. Kavanaugh Hearings today. Democrats going nuts. They know he's gonna be confirmed. They can't stop it. They can't. It's not gonna. They, they can't stop it. He's gonna be confirmed. So they're just gonna whine and cry and shout and threaten, and they just went mad all day long. Just showed their asses like a kid at the grocery store with his mama. They just falling out. You know those types. You know the kids I'm talking about. The kind that just flop on the grocery store floor, and just put on a show, because you know, well, back when I was a kid, that ass whooping would start right there, in the store, in front of everybody. No cop would be called, everybody would turn their head and go on about their business, and it would all be good. Nowadays, you whoop your kid's ass in the grocery store, your ass is going to jail. And the kids going into foster care, but back then, I guess you can, you, you, can take, you can take your ass with them, but this is what Democrats did today. they flopped, they screamed, they kicked. they yelled, they cried, and gonna do no damn good. You heard me Let's take a listen <laughs>
4: Welcome everyone to this confirmation hearing on the nomination of Mr. Judge Chairman Fred Kavanaugh. Mr Chairman. To serve as Associate Justice. Mr. Chairman, the I'd Supreme like to Court be recognized for a question States. before we proceed.
1: Order, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to be recognized to ask a question before we proceed. The committee received just last night, less than fifteen hours ago, Four to pages of documents that we have not had an opportunity to review, or read, or analyze.
4: You're out. You're out of order. I'll proceed.
1: We cannot possibly move forward, Mr. Chairman. I with extend this a very
4: warm welcome. We have not to been Judge given Stavenaugh, an opportunity
1: to have a meaningful to his wife, hearing Ashley, on the nominee.
4: Their two daughters. Mr. Chairman, I agree with my colleague, Senator Harris. Mr. Chairman, Judge we received 40,000 documents that we haven't been everyone able else to review us last night, and we believe this hearing should be I know be postponed. this is an exciting day. This is the first confirmation hearing for a Supreme Court justice I've seen, basically, according to mob rule. One of the most distinguished judges. Mr. Chairman, I think we ought to have this this loudmouth
3: removed. I mean, we, we
4: shouldn't have to put up with this kind of stuff. I hope she's not a luster.
2: The Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus went out of business last year. But it found the successor Tuesday on Capitol Hill as Democrats and demonstrators performed at the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on the nomination of Judge Brent Kavanaugh for the Supreme Court. Now, Committee Chairman... Chuck Grassley, Republican from Iowa, commented on repeated outbursts by demonstrators and a steady string of complaints by Democrat senators. And he said that this is something I've never gone through before in 115 Supreme Court nominations. Now, the, the the thing is, it's not going to stop the show. Kavanaugh, and the Republicans have the votes. He's going to be confirmed. So what is this show all about? What is it all about? And this is just day one. The show is going to go on, folks, for the rest of the week. And we are going to watch Democrats lose their damn minds. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something right here and now. I'm going to love it. I'm going to love every minute of it. And I'm going to laugh and I'm going to laugh and I'm going to laugh because Republicans don't behave this way. No, no. But Republicans do not behave in this fashion. They did not behave in this fashion when Obama made his picks. You can go back to the archives, baby. That's what Google is for and YouTube, too. Democrats have lost their damn minds. Or did they ever really have them at all? Because as we know, it's not about what you think with Democrats. It's about what you feel. Listen to a Democrat or a a liberal talk to you. The first thing out of their mouths is, well, I feel like this. Well, I feel this way. Well, I feel... You know what? Listen to a Republican and they'll say, well, this is what I think. Because it's all about the facts, baby. It's not about what you feel. And do you remember when Obama had his pick out there and he said he wanted the the, the, the primary thing, he wanted his Supreme Court pick to have The most important thing was empathy. Empathy. Those are his exact words, empathy. In other words, he wanted his Supreme Court pick to feel, to use his heart. Not the facts of the case, not what the law says, not what the Constitution is all about, what the Constitution says. Go by your feelings. I feel like this. Well, hell, I feel like a damn slice of cheesecake from Crazy crazy Craig's Cheesecake from from the Cheesecake Factory. I feel like I want a slice. I feel a lot of things. But if I acted on my feelings a lot of times, there would be a whole lot of people well, let's just say there'd be a whole lot of trouble for a whole lot of people. So I don't act on my feelings. I act on what I think and what I know. But liberals don't do that. It's all about how I feel. And they feel that Kavanaugh will make a bad judge. Now, Kavanaugh's a good person. And he is well qualified. But liberals believe that he'll overturn Roe v. Wade. Also believe that, well, he is Donald Trump's pick. And that can't be good for anybody. Trump shouldn't get a pick because he is not a legitimate president. They believe that. And they also believe that, well, all this liberal shit they got going on. It's over. Oh, and the fact that if Kavanaugh gets on the court, they also believe that they feel rather that he'll their their efforts to impeach Trump won't go where they want it to. So this is all going on. May we live in interesting times. And yes we do. And so that brings us to the heading of the show. What's the meaning of the phrase, may you live in interesting times? It sounds good, doesn't it? Because it sounds kind of like, wow, to live in interesting times. There's a lot going on. Wow. Let's talk about it. Let's think about it. Wow, this is great. Hey, this stuff happening all the time. No. What it really means is, may you experience much disorder and trouble in your life. May you experience much disorder and trouble in your life. And that's exactly what's happening. We, Vivian are living in interesting times, which is not good. Now, what is the origin of the phrase, quote, may you live in interesting times, end quote? It's been purported to be a blessing, but this is in fact a curse. The expression is always used ironically, with the, the clear implication that uninteresting times of peace and tranquility are more life-enhancing than interesting ones. May you live in interesting times as widely reported as being of ancient Chinese origin, but is neither Chinese nor ancient. Being recent and Western, it certainly seems to have intended to sound Oriental, in the faux-Chinese-Confucius-he-says style. But... That's as near to China as it actually gets. Confucius's actual sayings are as elusive as those of his Western counterpart, Aesop. But we have no written record from either of them. So, is it good to live? in interesting times well that's what we're living in interesting damn times we've got a situation where there are those in the environmental community attempting ban balloons at parties yes balloons at parties because they say that the balloons, which are often filled with helium, if a child or a person lets them go, they go up into the air, and a lot of times they burst, and they fall into the woods or the ocean or something, and some unsuspecting yet idiotic bird or creature of some sort chows down on the rubber and craps out. And that's bad for the environment, and bad for the fishes, and bad for the honey badgers named Mr. Ed. And it's just bad. So to solve this problem, and to save the honey badgers, and the birds, and the the owls, and the raccoons, and all that shit, well, we'll just ban the use of balloons. This is actually a thing. And I don't really have the time to get into the whole thing, but if you really want to know, it's called No Congratulations. Liberals move to ban balloons. It's on just just Google that in The American Thinker. Liberals move, move to ban balloons. What the hell is going on? Seriously. <sighs> May You Live in Interesting Times, Woodward is back with a tell-all book about the Trump administration and how supposedly his inner circle, his confidants, think he's crazy and unhinged and juvenile and childlike. And and they do things to save America from him, and General John Kelly, my mentor— I served under him four different times in my career, four, is reported to have said some awful things about Trump behind his back. But I know John Kelly. I know General Kelly. And I know he would never say any such thing to anyone, ever, even if he thought he wouldn't say it. Because number one, he's professional, and number two, he's wise he knows fully well that saying things like that out loud can get you in a little bit of trouble and someone's going to leak it. And Kelly is too smart to ever let his true thoughts and feelings be revealed to strangers. Now, unless Woodward interviewed Kelly's wife and she ratted him out because he engaged in some pillow talk where he said Trump was an idiot which I don't think is would happen then Kelly didn't say those things I can guarantee that I served under the man four times I know him and I know him well he would never say anything like this and if he is quoted as saying these vile things foul things and disrespectful things about the Commander-in-Chief, and I know fully well that it isn't so, that it isn't true at all, then in my opinion, his whole book is filled with falsehoods, in my opinion. Like, none of it's to be believed. But why would Woodward write such a thing? Huh. I find all of this, all of it, to be interesting and remember that's a curse why would Bob Woodward knowingly or any American knowingly think about this this is the United States of America why would a person or any person of any note attempt to besmirch the reputation, the office of the presidency. Because let's just say in an in, in a in a parallel universe, all of what Woodward alleges in his book, with all of these unnamed sources, because not a single source has been named in his book, not one, mind you. Got a copy right here. Right here. Not a single source so far – I haven't read it all – has been named an actual person's name, except Kelly. Why is that? Huh. But the question is, why would someone do that? Weaken. Because if you weaken the president… If you wound the president, then you – do you not wound the country? Do you not weaken the country itself as a whole, your country, the country you were born and raised in, the country, your country? Why would you knowingly, why would anyone knowingly? Attempt to weaken the president and thus the office of the presidency and thus the United States of America. In my mind, and just in my mind, this borders on treason. Now some would say, oh no, a real patriot would expose a president who is out of his depth. That a a real American would would want there to be a a reckoning, would want this president removed. Really, huh? That's interesting. I don't think a real American would want that. But there have those who have said it. President Trump is not presidential. He is a threat to democracy. But we're not a democracy. We are a republic. But if you stayed your ass in that civics class and not went out to smoke some weed in the parking lot, you wouldn't know that. May you live Interesting times. And damn, don't we? Well, we're going to continue this tomorrow. We're going to get all down dirty in it because we're just getting started. It's Tuesday, but the week is just beginning for me. And you too. Because just like I do, you live... In interesting times. Right here with me. Yes. But still. It's a wonderful world isn't it? It's good. To be me. And I certainly hope that it's good to be you. And we're going to throw this down. God bless Trump. And the USA. I want to thank you for listening. I know there's plenty of things you could be doing, and you chose to spend it listening to my show, and I thank you very much. And those of you who are downloading the show and listening to it later, thank you also. You've made this show a big success, and we've been on since 2010. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America and Donald John Trump. Good night. (laughs)
4: Today there's things disappearing That I worked for all my life I dread having to start again With just my children and my wife I want to thank some lucky stars For trying to bring our greatness back today Cause the flag used to stand for freedom And now they're trying to take that away We're going to make America great again. We're going to set our country free. From the destruction by the party, taking freedoms away from me. And I'll proudly stand up next to Trump and support him here today. Because there ain't no doubt he'll fix America, great again. With the fine folks of Minnesota, to the great peeps of Tennessee, along with the strong down in Texas, from sea to shining sea, from the suffering Detroit down to Houston, and New York to L. We can bring back the American dream and it's time we stand and say